You're listening to the Pimp Cron Podcast. Hey everybody, it's the Pimp Cron Warhammer Podcast. This is the Pimp Cron. This is episode 245, brought to you by GameMat.eu for pre-painted resin terrain, neoprene mats, STL files, and also my beautiful, sexy, good-smelling Patreon patrons. Thank you so much for supporting the show, as well as well as the fine people at Panhandle3d.etsy.com. Thank you for supporting the show. Uh, PH3D15OFF will give you 15% off Panhandle3d.etsy.com. And then Event10 is 10% off at GameMat.eu. So that's what is keeping the show alive. Now, what are we talking about tonight? Well, I've got a question for you. What's the problem with dual kits? What is the problem with Games Workshop making dual kits? I have a lot to say about whether or not they should keep doing dual kits. And have they stopped doing dual kits? It almost seems like they have. That's what we discussed in the Real Talk tonight. Also, we have a letter from Fergie Ferguson Fergalicious, the Duchess himself, Fergie. And he's asking um, for some unique objective marker ideas. And I try to help him out, give him some uh, picking of my brain so he can get some neat ideas. And I enjoyed coming up with ideas for it. So thank you for that, Ferg. And then we also have a Want That or Want That Not with the Saurus Warriors that are coming out for Seraphin, otherwise known as Lizardmen, to all of you old people. <laughs> so what have I been up to? Where was I last week? Oh my gosh, you guys did not have an episode of the Pimpcron Warhammer podcast last week. Well. If you can't tell, my voice is a little off. I'm just getting my voice back. Uh, I had like a, a sinus infection or something of that nature. And last time, last weekend, when I would normally record the podcast, I basically could not talk at all. I was whispering so that it would not trigger a fit of coughing. And uh, even right now, I have a small tickle in my throat. I've had a tickle in my throat since not this past Wednesday, but the previous Wednesday. I actually felt so bad I missed Warhammer that night. I was like, screw this, guys. I'm exhausted. And that's when it was uh it's it's rapid onset. So my wife is like, oh usually sinus infection seven to ten days and it's been like about ten days now, something like that. So I'm really excited to be almost done with this. Hopefully next week I will feel better. But I've been coughing. I've coughed so much this this week it's not even funny. Anyway, that is where I was. I am alive. I am mostly well, and I'm mostly able to talk. I do have to keep stopping when I record in order to cough, but them's the breaks, kid. All right. Well, uh, what have I been up to? Well, I got some Dragon Ball Z models in the mail from uh, Etsy, and I painted a uh, Gohan from Super Saiyan Gohan from the Cell Saga. I've got Little Kid Gohan. I've got Chaosu. I painted all those. And um, I've got Vegeta and a couple other people, Super Saiyan Goku, all of them in the mail coming. So I'm pretty excited about that. And um, what else have I done? Oh, my friend Nick came over, my friend uh, Just James, as you know him, and they played Brutality. They uh, Nick is new to Brutality. He made the Ginyu Force for Brutality, so that's pretty cool. And um, he actually got duplicates of some of them, so he gave me three of the Ginyu Squad. So now I'm going to have to buy the other two Ginyu squad because you know how that goes and um they played two games and james has played brutality before but he plays like twice or three times a year so he never usually remembers the rules and um 
they played Nick beat James nine to eight in the first game. It was very close. And then Nick beat James 10 to nine the second game. It was also very close. So they're very, very close games. And it seems like they had fun. James is such a an entrenched Warhammer player that basically anything in any game that is not exactly like Warhammer, he's like, well, that's stupid. And I'm like, well, okay. <laughs> so sometimes he criticizes brutality because he's like, well, what do I have to do? And I'm like, oh, you do it this way. And he's like, well, that's stupid. And I'm like, yeah, it's not Warhammer, pal. It's, I, I, it's a different system. So he gets over it, but he's always got he's got to rib me over that. Um. Anyway, we had fun. We also had the uh, this week I met up with the kids in the library. Uh, they had a lot of fun. Uh, just two of them showed up and uh, we played cast space Marines. I teamed up with one kid versus the kid with ultramarines and they had fun. We ended up tying and uh, that's really all I got to say about that. But it was fun. I was coughing the entire time. So they probably thought I had the plague. Then this week I went to the uh, Warhammer Club. I got to play against that kid, Adam, the 11 year old. Uh, yeah, 11 year old. And um, I always love playing the kids because it's like low stress. I can just not try. You know, it's a lot of fun. So me and James um, actually teamed up against the two kids, Will and Adam. And they took 1500 total on their side. And we took uh, 1200, no, 1250. We took 1250, they took 1500. So we took 250 points less than them. And that way that would allow us to really try and all of that. It was a very, very tough game. Um, James and I would have won, but because it was like turn four and we were beating them by one point. And the way the game was going, we definitely would have won. We were already winning, but they definitely, we would have definitely won. But being that it was like getting close on time, we're like, oh, uh, this is the last turn. And the kids are like, oh, it is? We're like, oh, yeah, yeah, last turn. Uh, they went second. So we were able to kind of like fudge it and go, oh, this is the last turn. So that they capped their objectives, not in the command phase, obviously, but the end of the turn because they went second. So that allowed them to make up that one point. And oh, gee, we tied. Because it really was like turn four, I think, or turn three. Um, but the kids have to, they have an earlier curfew than we do. Obviously they have to be done at like eight, eight o'clock. So we were able to kind of fudge that and make it a tie. And then, you know, they weren't beaten, but it really was fun though, because I got almost tabled on turn one, uh, because I brought so few models that I had a demon prince, two Mauler fiends and, uh, warp talent squad. And the demon prince and the two Mauler fiends died on turn one. And uh, all I had was the Havoc Squad. And believe it or not, the Havoc Squad stuck in there the whole game and survived the whole game. And they really did a number on some stuff because uh, I took Fabius Biles thing. So it gives them extra strength. And so strength five lightning claws and they got a lot of attacks. So I was able to very strategically do this or that. And we had a lot of good times in that game where it was very like, oh, man, we're already low on points. They smacked me so hard in the first turn. They put both of them focused everything on me. So that's why my two Muller Fiends and my Demon, uh, Demon Prince die the first turn. And I'm like, oh, man, I got to really, really try hard. And me and James are like conversing about, you know, OK, what should we do if we do that? That's risky if we do that. It was really fun. It, taking the 250 points off really uh, was a lot of fun. So uh, it actually, it was supposed to be. uh 1200 points but afterwards you realize james is 50 points off so it was 1250 but whatever 
anyway, we had fun. The kids had fun. The kids had fun at the library. Everything's cool. I'm happy to be supporting the younger generations. So, um, that is about it. Oh, you know what? There's, um, there's something I do want to tell you about. So remember a couple weeks ago, that guy, uh, at our club, he's, he comes every once in a while and he like takes real hardcore lists. He's a real beat stick. He, you know, takes whatever the new hotness is and he just grinds people into the ground. He's the one that beat the shit out of that, uh, 11 year old kid. And, you know, I was, I was like trying to grieve, uh, air my grievances, not grieve. I was sobbing y'all. No, I was, um, airing my grievances against him. And I'm like, Hey man, you, that's not, this is pretty, he's 11 years old. You know, I was making my, uh, voice heard publicly and, um, and he kind of brushed it aside. So then I heard last week or week before last, when I missed the club, he played against the 13 year old and they were done like turn two. He just crushed the 13 year old. So I was like, okay. I thought that, you know, kind of hinting at it, browbeating him a little bit, you know, a little bit of bullying passively. I wasn't ever mean to him. I never raised my voice or anything. I was like, okay, that's it. If he comes this next week, I got to talk to him, step aside away from everyone else and talk to him. Well, he wasn't coming this week. So I decided to text him and I said, listen, I'm not trying to offend you. Um, You are a good player, which he is. He, he plays his armies well. I said, you're a really good player, but you also bring really nasty lists. And we're a casual group and we don't play tournaments. You know, we're not tournament people. A few people in the group like to play competitively, but 80% of us are not competitive. And when you come here and clap every single time and just wipe people off the board, that's no fun. And I'm not trying to offend you or anything like that, um, but... It's getting harder and harder for me to find you an opponent each week because nobody wants to go into a game against you just knowing they're getting tabled. Like, that's no fun. It, it's basically wasting their night. They come here. They're trying to have fun. Oh, they drew the short straw. They got to play you. And now they get creamed and that's it. And you walk away happy and they wasted their night. I said, so you are a good player, but a good player coupled with really nasty lists against casual players is no fun. So I'm going to ask you, please tone it down unless your opponent says they want to play competitively, because it's just it's not a matchup between your play style and our play style. And I'm sorry for that. It's just not. And um, he seemed understanding. He said, OK, he's going to try and tone down his list and all of that. I was very diplomatic about it. And it was all via text. And um, hopefully, you know, hopefully he does tone it down because you don't want everyone playing hot potato each week on who has to face him. And if he's not aware enough to pick up on those context clues of, you know, not being liked in the group because of the way the list he's taking. Well, maybe now he, he will get that message. So I thought some of you who run groups or are interested in the dynamics of groups would be interested to hear how I deal with it anyway. So naturally you definitely want to do privately talking to them. So I, I had to text, but I would, I would prefer to do it in real, you know, face to face. But anyway, that's what I've been up to, and um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to head on to the next segment now. Thank you for listening. Let's open the Tesseract mailbox. On this week's Tesseract mailbox, we have a letter from Fergie Ferg, one of our Patreon patrons, and he writes, Hey, pimp, I'm currently brainstorming for hobby ideas, and I thought I could make use of your ancient wisdom. Aww. 
I'm entering a Lord of the Rings tournament in July, but it's very much a casual affair with a big focus on the hobby aspect. So as well as the usual tournament prices, there will also be awards. No, I think he means prizes. The normal tournament prizes, there will also be awards for best painted, best army, best conversions, etc. Sadly, my painting is average at best, and I haven't got any cool Lord of the Rings conversions that I want to enter. But there's one niche I want to try. Best objective markers. Do you have any ideas for some fun objective markers that would help me stand out from the crowd? They would need to fit in with the fantasy world of Lord of the Rings. As I said, my painting wouldn't be anything special, so I'm trying to wow the judges with some especially creative ones. They will be for an evil army. So far I've got Pile of Dismembered Heads. <laughs> me and you both, Fergie, but mine is in the garage. Pile of Dismembered Heads, referencing that scene in Return of the King. Some maps and scrolls, as I rarely see intelligence in fantasy objectives. And of course, a banner for my faction. Would appreciate any help. Keep up the good word, good work, Fergie. Well, Fergie, I'm sorry it took me so long to get back with you. I was sick last week, etc. So let's get into the email that I sent him in return. Hey, Fergie, here's a list of brainstormed ideas. I may have a couple more by the time of the podcast, but these are what I have right now. A stone slab altar with blood on it and a knife, maybe some chains or candles. I was going for more of like a ritualistic or maybe a torture vibe um, so that maybe uh, specifically ritualistic. Maybe it's like a place of power sort of thing going on. And you can get little candles or um, I've actually made little candles with uh, cutting toothpicks really, really short and gluing them on a little teeny circle, maybe a quarter inch wide. And then painting the tip yellow and the the shaft white of the candles. Another idea is a dead body with some sort of artifact on them. Give them like a golden glove, like the Infinity Gauntlet, or some special weapon. Make it look like it's glowing, or at least make it gold with everything else being dirty and dark. For it to really stand out like, oh, this thing is is the objective, right? If you've got some body laying in the mud, you've got them like partially submerged... And only his top half is sticking and all sticking out and just his head and like half of his back and one shoulder and arm is sticking. And he's got like arrows sticking out of him or whatever. Once again, you can use popsicle. I mean, not popsicle sticks, toothpicks for that as well. For the little arrow um, shafts. I keep keep saying shafts. I don't know why. But anyway, um, give him a glove. Take like a mailed glove from another model and paint it up all gold and shiny and everything else is like browns and mucky and and maybe some dark red blood and all of that. Here's one other suggestion, Ferg. I know from experience that blood is not usually bright, bright red. So a lot of people want to use something like a Mephiston red or a uh, uh, Scarlet red, an Evil Sun Scarlet, whatever. The uh, Games Workshop, very, very bright red. But I personally find that if you use Corn Red, which is like a, a darker red, it looks way more realistic. And then maybe, just maybe, highlight a little bit with Mephiston, like where it would shine. But that's it. Of course, you can also just use Blood for the Blood God, but that's that's up to you. One of my favorites, as far as objective markers that I've done in the past, is make a coffin lid out of green stuff. Very, very easy to do. Okay, you smash some green stuff real flat, and then you take a, um, uh, before it cures completely, you cut it in a uh, coffin shape and then you use a um, exacto knife or whatever to press in 
all the rows of the boards and then stagger the uh, butted ends of the boards so it looks like it's made of wood and then take the tip of the X-Acto knife or maybe like a mechanical pencil and put little nail holes in there. And when it dries, it looks awesome. Anyway, you make that coffin lid and uh, you have a skeleton sticking at it from underneath the ground. And he's holding like a magical weapon or, or something like um, somebody got caught in the middle of grave robbing and he's got like this dagger or if you could find a little box, you know, like a treasure box or something of that nature. Um, that could actually be really cool as well. And I mean, now that we're talking about treasure, obviously a treasure chest would also be a, a kind of a generic objective marker. Um, also think of like a tree with a note on it, like with a dagger sticking in the note. That could be pretty cool. Like the enemy scout left a note for somebody or something of that nature. Um, now, what about a ritualistic circle in the dirt or on stone with symbols carved in it that glow? That's pretty cool. It's a really easy to do carving. Um, take like a foam and carve into it with something like an X-Acto knife, but that's probably not broad enough. You want kind of a blunt thing like like a mechanical pencil, pencil or something. And you carve runes all in it. Then you paint it black. You'll probably have to use brush on primer so you don't eat the foam. And then you paint in, trace all of the runes with whatever paint you want it to glow. You probably want to use one shade, or, shade higher than you're thinking. And then you just dry brush over it and be careful to not get into the grooves of each symbol. And then boom, it's glowing. Kind of like what I did with my glyphs on my um, like Night Scythe, my Doom Scythe, all the Necron stuff. Um, they have like that recessed lineage and circles and whatnot. And I did the same thing there. You could also do something like a glowing stone structure with a gem on the top of it. That would be pretty neat. Um, what about the entrance of a tomb or a crypt? Think of a manhole cover, but with runes on it. So you could have like the top of a little ladder sticking up out of it or something of that nature. You can even build it up as like a little hill so that it gives you enough room so that you can actually put a hole in the hill and make a little teeny like toothpick ladder going down in it. And, you know, obviously paint it all black so that it would look like there's depth to it. That would be really cool, too. Um, what about like a scroll still being clutched by a severed hand? So take the hand off somebody, you know, make it all jagged. Don't make it a, a nice slice. Make it all jagged, put it in a puddle of blood on the ground and have a scroll in it. That'd be pretty cool. What about heads on spikes in a semicircle with one head on the ground in the middle? Maybe add some candles. That'd be a cool thing. Like it's some sort of, I don't know, a warning or a ritual or something like that. And finally, maybe a hobbit hiding in a bush if you've got an extra hobbit model. You know, the, the enemies are always after hobbits, right? Well, it doesn't have to be Frodo or Sam or Pippin. It doesn't have to be any of them, but they could just be looking for hobbits in general, right? Because they were searching the Shire and all that. So if you've got an extra hobbit sitting around, put him, you know, in the bush, you can see the top of his head or something of that nature. That would be a really cool objective as well. So hopefully all of these are good ideas for you. Hopefully you can do something with them. Um, the description of how to make these, I did not include in the email. So this is added information for you, but hopefully you can take some of these ideas for objectives and you will wow the judges and they will be like, wow, where did you get all these ideas? And then you're going to look at the camera and you're going to wink and go, oh, I don't know. Anyway, I guess if that was a movie, that's what you'd do. Anyway, thanks for writing in, Fergie. I appreciate it. And I will see you on the next side of this music. Want that or want that not? 
All right, you know what time it is. It's time for Want That or Want That Not. And today we are discussing the new Saurus Warriors for Seraphon Age of Sigmar. Now, if you know anything about Seraphon, the Saurus Warriors are the one of the battle line choices for that army. They're your typical lizard dudes with shields and, and clubs and whatever. So um, they're the iconic lizard men, if you're not talking about skinks or slan or whatever. Um, this new redo, I'm just going to say off the top of my head, is beautiful. They are completely reimagined. They are bulkier. They're broad-chested. They look way more fierce than the old one did. And their poses are broader, like they're in attack stance. And uh, they just look way more fearsome. They obviously have a modern look to them um, as far as their technology and their capabilities to make new models versus the old ones that were also plastic, but were a little more cartoony and much more uh, thin. Okay. The Saurus Warriors, I have really nothing bad to say about them. They look awesome. I don't know if I will actually be getting these because I have like 40 Saurus Warriors myself. Because these look way cooler, and I don't really want to have these two right next to those. So I I can't really see myself paying 60 bucks for 10 Saurus Warriors when I already have Saurus Warriors. Yes, it is like the meme where it's like your mom is like, no, you can't get new Saurus Warriors. We have Saurus Warriors at home. And then you come home and then you have the Saurus Warriors that I have, which kind of look dinky, kind of look anemic compared to these new guys. These guys look like baby Croxagores is basically what they look like. And I love it. I love everything about it. There's truly nothing to complain about. So ultimately, it is a want that for the Pimkron. It definitely is a want that. I'm just on the fence whether or not I'm actually going to buy it. $60 for 10 dudes, especially Battleline, I'm not thrilled about. I don't, I don't care for that price point. I really think it should be something like 50 or whatever. But 60 bucks. That's just what we do now at uh, being Games Workshop fans. We just pay $60 for literally the basic essentials of your army. So, and if it's a character, you're going to pay 35 or 40. That's just the way it is. Oh, well. Um, so ultimately, these look really, really cool. They're not that much of a departure from the old ones. They still have their shields. They still have their clubs. Um, they're still a, a standard bearer. They're still a musician and all of that. The shields do look way cooler now. They used to have uh, shields made out of essentially hide. They look like scales, so whatever that is. I don't know if they're like skinning their own people or what to make those shields, but the new ones are all metal, which is kind of cool. And they've got symbols engraved on them and all of that, so I like all that. But when I said I had nothing to complain about, I technically do have something to complain about. So let's say your Games Workshop. Let's say that you have a Saurus Warriors box, the old box, that made Saurus Warriors and also Temple Guard. Well, the Temple Guard is the elite Saurus Warriors, okay? They're the, they use the same exact model, but they had like this special thing on their head. And that was really the only key difference. They had this like a metal plate or a bone. Uh, I think they had skulls on their head, um, like oddly enough, other Saurus skulls on the top of their head. I don't know what they're doing their Sauruses, but... Whatever, they're skinning them and decapitating them, I guess. And um, uh, so that was the difference. So if you're going to remake Saurus Warriors, I feel like you would either make them a dual kit, like we've already seen, where they make Saurus Warriors or they make uh, Temple Guard, or you probably don't want to redo the Saurus Warriors because they're battle line, right? 
battle line is typically like basic, you know, weaker than your elites. Well, they made the curious decision to redo the battle line Saurus Warriors, but they left the Temple Guard as the old models using the old kit. So now you've got these Saurus Warriors, which are just basic battle line, and they look really cool in their baby Croxagore design, broad, strong, fierce, all that. And then next to them, you've got a, a unit which basically looks like a bunch of Muppets of your Temple Guard, which arguably would be even more fearsome and more elite and more powerful. And they look kind of dinky. So I- I'm, I'm caught here because I don't know why you would redo the battle line and not make it a double kit. And if you're not going to do that, then don't redo the battle line, redo the temple guard because they're the elites. If your elites look like this, you'd be like, Oh, that is really cool, but they don't. So very, very odd to me. Um, so, now I'm really at an impasse because I'm like, well, I already have Saurus Warriors and arguably I now I have Temple Guard because they're practically the same models. But then if I bought new Saurus Warriors, they're going to look so much cooler and bigger and stronger than my Temple Guard, which are supposed to, in theory, be the Elite Warriors. So I almost feel like I should buy some of these new Saurus Warriors and make them Temple Guard. And then that would actually make more sense. But then anybody that knows the army is going to see my army and go, oh, the big strong ones are your battle line and the small dinky ones are your elite. But I'd be like, uh, no, I use them the other way because I'm not an idiot. So I don't know what I'm doing here. I don't know what I'm going to decide. But that is essentially my gripe about this release. Sometimes Games Workshop, I truly, truly don't understand why they don't, you know, do things the correct way. I don't know. Anyway. That's it for me. Uh, I definitely do want it. They're awesome. Go get them. Now it's time for Real Talk with Pimpcron. All right, boys and girls, it's time for Real Talk with the Pimpcron. And today I want to discuss something that actually was spurred from my Seraphim uh, Saurus Warriors review and in the Want That or Want That Not. And today I want to discuss, I feel, this is my declaration, I feel like Games Workshop should only make dual kits or maybe tri kits. I don't know what you want to call it. Um, so that one box will make two or three, probably just two different units and with just some bits swapped out or whatever. Now, if you listened to my Seraphin review of the Saurus Warriors, you'll know that I was very frustrated that the Saurus Warriors used to be a dual box with the Tomb Guard, uh, I'm sorry, the Temple Guard and the Saurus Warriors. Well, now they've replaced the Saurus Warriors, but not the Temple Guard. So the Temple Guard are still weak and puny looking, and they're supposed to be the elites, when the Saurus Warriors are beefy and and all of that. So it really looks like it should be opposite. But it seems like Games Workshop is actually getting away from the dual kit. We see it time and time again. Now, the dual kits were a little easier to make when things were more poseable, right? When you had the shoulder socket and when you had flat sides of your torsos and flat sides of the shoulder so that you could pose them however you wanted, then it was really easy to mix and match the different parts. But it seems to me like a lot of their newest kits are not multi-kits, and I have absolutely no reason why they would not make them dual kits. If you look at it from a business standpoint, okay, you have your sunk cost of the you know CAD development and all of that of your kit. You have the sunk cost of shipping the box. 
you have your sunk cost of making the plastic and, and making it in the mold and all of that. Okay. I understand that the cost of making it would be slightly higher if it took a, someone a little longer to make the dual kit. I understand that. Right. Um, I think they are more than capable of finding some of these pieces, even though they might be monopose now, but, you know, cut the hand off and make it a different weapon or, or whatever, cut the head off, make it a different head, or just give a few bits and pieces like they used to do with, um, Gene Steelers had the carapace armor that they could put on. So it gave them the extra shoulder pads it came with and that sort of thing. Um, I don't see why they could not do that with some small bits. Now I know a little bit of extra work, um, would cost money. I know a little bit of extra uh, plastic and maybe an extra sprue. If uh, if the sprue was already really dense, it might be three sprues instead of two in that box. Okay, I get that. But you would be able to recoup that cost twofold every time someone wants to buy a battle line or a troop and also an elite. You would be making double the sales on one sunk cost and even shipping would be cheaper. Because, you know, right now, let's look at these Saurus Warriors, even though they're technically not the same models, right? The Saurus Warriors, the new ones, and the Temple Guard are old ones. But now, if someone wants to buy Temple Guard, GW has to not only make the sprues for Temple Guard, but then also box them and ship them and all of that. Meanwhile, the Saurus Warriors, they have to make them and box them and ship them. If they were smart, and I have absolutely no, why, no idea why they're not doing this, they would combine those two kits like they originally did. It seems like they've gotten dumber over time. And you would, even if it was one extra sprue and it added two ounces to the weight of the box, it doesn't matter because now you are selling more of each box. And like I started saying in the very beginning, instead of a dual box, honestly, you would really want to make it a tri box. You would want it to be three different things or, or whatever. And People act like Games Workshop does not have the reins to this whole thing. Games Workshop designs the models and Games Workshop makes the units. You cannot ever convince me that it would not be triple profitable for Games Workshop to make one box. Let's say it's four spurs for crying out loud, but who cares? Okay. It uses all of the main body of the Saurus Warrior. So that way you're not worried about the secondhand market. I hear a lot of people complain or uh, they claim that, oh, the dual kits, they're really easy to um, profit off of them on the second market because, oh, I'll take these bits from this and this bit from that and combine them for cheaper than buying another box. In some cases, that is true. Like the um, the Wrathmongers for Age of Sigmar, um, the uh, Bloodbound people. You can basically use those uh, Blood Warriors and the Wrathmongers to make Wrathmongers and the other kit, which I forget what they're called. The Wrathmongers and the other kit are a dual kit. And they give you plenty of bits to basically just get the legs and, and crotch off of the Blood Warriors, which were super cheap in the starter set, and then just make more Wrathmongers. It's like super easy, barely an inconvenience. It's not a big deal at all. Where I feel like that's a design issue on their part because they should know that people are going to do that and they are missing out on money on that. Okay, I get it. But if they were smart about it, they would use most of the torso and, and the legs. Make the torso and the legs exactly the same for the Saurus Warriors. Then you have the normal Saurus Warrior head, arms, shield, weapon, all that. Cool. Okay, then include 
let's just say you want to go the old route, which was a little lame, and just give them a different head. Okay, include 10 freaking heads in there with the bones on them. Oh, now there's Temple Guard, which I really, on a creative level, I don't agree with that. But but whatever. You want to do that? Fine. Okay, you want to make triple the money, then make some sort of, I don't know, mystical group or really heavy armored Saurus Warriors where it's got an even bigger shield and maybe they just have shields or maybe they're super berserk and you give them different arms and they've got flails or literally any freaking thing you wanted to do. You would be able to very easily fit 20 more heads and at least, you know, 20 more arms or different weapons It's the wrist, you know, the hand and the weapon or whatever, you'd be able to do that so, so, so easy with one extra sprue. Instead of two sprues in the box, you got three, and now you're selling triple the product, and people can't even ape it because it needs most of the Saurus Warrior body and the legs and the tail and all that. I mean, I feel like I'm taking crazy pills here, people. I mean, why would you not do that? It just seems like an absolute no-brainer. Now, I do understand that sometimes they don't need any more options. You know, maybe the book already has a lot of bloat. I do know that Seraphin has a very large book and a lot of unit options. So you really can't really blame them for just putting, you know, making it a dual kit. But make it a dual kit then. It's like an absolute no-brainer. And uh, I just, I see absolutely no reason why they would not do this. It's literally a win-win. Because you've got the same sunk cost, maybe let's say 10% higher, but you're selling twice as many or three times as many of each box. The box already has a minimal sunk cost of the actual box's manufacture and distribution, and then the major sunk cost of all the design. It could not be that difficult. I truly don't think so. So I think they should definitely be making every single box a dual kit. Matter of fact, I even think that the characters should be dual kits. I see no reason at all why you don't make um, named characters or anything like that into dual kits. Make it so that, let's say, uh, you make a named vampire lord, okay? All right, well, they've got, you know, legs a certain pose and torso a certain pose, and then arms and a head that's different. All right, then you can make a generic vampire lord using the same kit. Okay, well, it uses the same legs, the same torso, but that dude's got a different head and different arms or just simply from the wrist up different weapons. Okay, then you could make, oh, I don't know, another type of generic person. Let's say a vampire sorcerer or whatever. Oh, he's got the same torso and the same arms, maybe even the same head, but his feet are different. His legs have a cloak on them or whatever. And then you'd be getting way more efficiency out of it. I have no idea why they want to make individual special characters just single model boxes. I know they're charging a serious premium at 40 bucks or $35 for one character. I totally get that. But then you should, if you're a company, you're trying to maximize profit, you should double down on that or triple down on it. It should be two named characters or it should be a named character and two generics or literally whatever you want. And, oh, it makes a standard bearer. Okay. A lot of times your standard bearers are, uh, you know, heroes anyway. You know, like the Blood Secrator or whatever. So, okay, fine. You give him a generic vampire lord that looks a certain way and then swap out one of his arms and a head. And suddenly, oh, look, he's got a banner now. He's a banner dude. Like, 
Ugh. I, I truly have no idea why they would not do this. I would love if any of you feel like you have any explanation that's not absolutely idiotic um, to to write in because I cannot think of a single good reason why they would not do this. So that is the Pimpcrons declaration. If I ever take hold, do a hostile takeover GW, you know, with all my pocket change, like I'll, I'll give them a lint, a penny, a, a bit of string, all of that, and I can take over their company. That's the first thing I would do is make everything a dual kit. All right, I've rambled on long enough. I've ranted long enough with my hoarse voice. I will see you guys next week. Thank you so much to GameAt.eu for supporting the show and the beautiful, sexy, good smell on Patreon patrons. I could never forget about you. And of course, PanHandle3D.etsy.com. Thank you all for supporting the show. I will see you next week.